Tim Graham and friends has an extra F today. One of the all-time great Fs in my book. And anybody who's met him, really. John Vogel joining Tim Graham and friends, brought to you by CTBK. In fact, this is his first visit in the new incarnation of the show. And had to have him on because so much is going on with the Sabres, number one. No, no, that's number two. Number one is that he's dominating coverage of this story with the Sabres. And everybody else has been uh, trying to keep up. I hate to keep backtracking. People aren't even trying to keep up. Isn't that accurate? Um, It's been amazing how few people have uh, taken up this story. If I had... If I had a story of Jack Eichel tweaking his ankle in practice, 50 people would be all over it. If I have a story of the NHL possibly throwing a team into a pit of COVID, nobody seems to care. It's just been mind-boggling. It is strange. And um, look, look, we can sit here and nitpick on the Buffalo News, and we've done it on the show, but we try to do it in a – or at least I try not to do it in in a way that is so petty. I try, I say. (laughs) But it is amazing to me. I did hear from a reader, a a very astute reader. Um, I don't want to mention his name because he reaches out to me in, you know, I think just to have a convo off to the side. And he was saying why, and he was actually critical of the athletics coverage of this too. He thought that this is the biggest story in sports and that we should be covering this more than we have been. So we had a discussion. I said, is this more content or presentation? to him, his criticism. Did he think we weren't covering it enough or we weren't presenting it with enough gravitas? And so we had a back and forth. And um, then over the weekend, I had occasion to see uh, a copy of the Buffalo News, the section. These stories are appearing on at the bottom of E8, you know, the sport, whatever the sports section is, I'm not saying E is, you know, yeah. gusto or anything, but mm-hmm. whatever the sports section is, it's at the bottom of the page as like an, oh, by the way, three more players were added to the COVID list today. I, this is massive news in the sports world, I think. Yeah. So how have you, how have you been covering this and what's just been your take of that this is happening in Buffalo and a few other markets too, but it really is, is hammering the Sabres. Yeah. Just a, I don't want to be petty either. I don't read the news. I didn't know how they've been covering. I just meant national. I just meant North America. Why nobody seems to uh, be given this story. It's just due. And I, part of that might be money. People have their contacts at the NHL and don't want to burn the NHL with their, you got to break those new, those signings during the summer. But anyway, um, it's been, I've, Oh, we got that in the NFL too, buddy. Yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) Um, I've talked with my wife, Aaron, quite a bit. I'm, I was worried that I was going to be the star witness at a wrongful death trial. That's how bad this has been handled by the NHL. In my opinion, I mean, they knew going into those games in Buffalo, that the Devils had players with COVID. They let them play. They kept playing and ended up 24 players went on into COVID protocols. Two linesmen, I learned, went into the COVID protocols. The coach, Ralph Kruger, he's 61. I don't know how old his wife is, but I don't think, I don't know if she got it. I hope she didn't, but she's the same age range. That's dangerous territory right there. So I was legitimately worried the NHL had messed this up so bad that I was going to be in a wrongful death trial on, at some point. 
and give uh, people a glimpse as to who else comes into contact because we are so focused on, oh my God, I hope Jack Eichel doesn't get it. Um, oh, Ralph Kruger has it. But there are so many people, even during the pandemic, who are behind the scenes that you may not necessarily see. When those guys go back down the tunnel, there are people working down there. They still need security. They still need uh, equipment guys who are dealing with these this equipment that, you know, I don't need to tell you guys, but this equipment just soaks up this crap. Um, I, I don't know. Can you, can you, I guess, articulate who's back there these days? I mean, people who follow hockey, you know, they have a, a guess under normal circumstances, but even during the pandemic, what's it look like back there? Yeah, it's, it's less people than normal, um, but it's still quite a bit. Uh, Kevin Adams, Sabres GM, mentioned that staff members did get uh, did test positive. I uh, obviously don't want to say who, but uh, there's, you mentioned the equipment guys. I worry about there's uh, there's two guys who do the visiting teams all the time. They're in the room. They pick up the equipment from the airport. They drive it to the arena. They set it all up for them. Those guys were around them the whole weekend. Uh, there's security guard, security guards at the event level. Uh, there is chefs, uh, people who make the food for the teams are down there. Uh, there's the cleaning crew comes in that cleaning uh, janitorial services or services aren't allowed while the players are there, but they come in 10 minutes later and I'm sure the air is still, is still there. Um, so yeah, so there's, that's, uh, that's uh, just off the top of my head. Those are the non-players who are, who are down there. Maybe I should have like an epidemiologist on here. I mean, I, I'm not trying to be flippant, but anybody who has been in a hockey locker room, the smell, uh, and the idea of the smell, if it, if the smell is in the air, then, you know, that stuff, it's a good idea of how and this stuff isn't circulated out within minutes. I mean, that smell is for days. <laughs> that equipment is for days. I mean, it, whatever the different devices that they have that blow air through the gloves to dry them out is just sending, you know, it's, Anyways, it's just a reminder, I'm guessing for you, John, that whenever you smell hockey, that there's that stuff could be in there, especially after the devil's left. I mean, what'd they leave behind? Right. Right. I, uh, I haven't other, I haven't been in a locker room since this all started. I've, uh, I haven't skated. I don't know, Matt, have you been playing at all or have you? I haven't, I haven't skated once since the whole uh, the last time was the last time you and i skated together which was a few days before tim was there that we played in that game and um and went out afterwards and that was basically the last time before everything shut down the following wednesday um you know the world kind of came to a halt but yeah i think about exactly what tim's talking about which is less i guess less an issue in the nfl I don't know. My dad and I were talking about this the other night. Like the equipment doesn't smell good in the NFL, but there's something about hockey equipment and the humidity of the rink and the fact that you're inside the entire time. I think that that might be um, causing some issues, but yeah, the locker room is basically the last place I would want to want to be during all this. John, who are you as a journalist, I'm trying to word this uh, the best way I can because I'm. Uh, um, you're not supposed. You're supposed to be detached. You're supposed to be neutral, and yet 
you are going down to the arena still, even though you're keeping your distance, like you say, you're not, you know, you don't go in the locker room and you're not sticking a microphone underneath the guy's chin like you normally do, but you're still in this arena. You're still within proximity and you're a human being. I'm guessing you're not thrilled that you have been potentially exposed to this and your colleagues and even up in the press box. Um, Who are you? If upset's too strong a word, let me know. Who are you upset with most in this? I don't know if I'm upset. Uh, I'll admit when I went back to practice after the shutdown ended, I was sitting there yesterday. I was only 16 rows up. I'm like, yeah, this this might be a little too close to some of these guys. But um, um, I am glad that the NHL put in a lot of protocols to keep media away from the NHL this year. But it turned out it was great that they kept the NHL away from me because we don't go to the event level. Um, we enter at the uh, Harbor Center and then we go right up the escalator to the press box. So on during games, we're nowhere near the players or anything. During practices, we are, like I said, 16 rows away. Um, it's just it's just mind-boggling that the NHL didn't think there was cross-team transmission, which is what basically this all comes down to. They just thought because you had a different color jersey on that you couldn't you couldn't get it from someone and that's why they had them play each other that's why the teams continue to play each other it's just until they get definitive proof that there's cross-team transmission they just say all right all right well let's let's keep going are they not treating this as definitive proof not yet. yet Not yet. Um, the uh, Mike Russo of the Athletic said that they uh, are sending positive samples to the Mayo Clinic, um, and they're doing genetic testing on those samples. Um, if that comes back as proof, then I think they'll believe it. But as of now, there's still no cross-team transmission. Do you have any idea what they're basing that on? Like, other than just, boy, we hope so. <laughs> I think that might be it. Um, both the NHL and NHLPA when I inquired, they both said all the sentences were almost the same. We have seen no definitive evidence of cross-team transmission. <laughs> Meanwhile, I talked with Mark Polenkar, the Erie County executive. He said, yeah, we saw it with the junior Sabres. We see it with youth hockey. It, it reminds me a lot of the concussion situation with the NHL. I mean, they buried their head in the sand and they've never taken it out. Um, and it's kind of, until they get definitive proof, it seems like that's what they're doing with this. And I think that's kind of what upsets me because I talked to uh, guys like Mike Robitaille who were big deep into that concussion lawsuit. And I saw how much pain he was in and he ended up getting a few grand just because the NHL litigated him to death and just kept saying, no, it's not, there's no link. There's no link. And it's, I was worried that that's what this was going to be. Like I said, in a wrongful death lawsuit. And it still could be. Yeah. Never know. Yeah. Now the NHL has quoted NFL data in this also correct correct i wonder then if without again without trying to be flippant here if the equipment issue is a big deal because there is a lot of there is a lot to be taken from the nfl if you're the nhl from a logic standpoint 22 guys on a field all at the same time uh bumping into each other very similar to how we do it on hockey um, those linemen are, you know, spit flying and sweat and grunting and yelling and all kinds of, you know, projecting of, you know, airways um, that they could look at that and say, well, if they, we haven't seen it in the NFL. But NHL, of course, is inside, whereas the NFL mostly is, is outside. 
And if it, if it is inside way high, you know, big high ceiling. Um, but I wonder like the equipment aspect of it. I mean, this stuff, they're just soaked in DNA at the end of every game. Um, I don't know. I mean, that's my, you know, that's my uh, armchair, whatever the hell I'm epidemiologist, I guess. Yeah, I mean, just, just, these guys are soaked in stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I wonder how much um, I know. Another thing that they have looked at is the, uh, the amount of time spent together. And I know the NFL studies show that it took less than 15 minutes of um, together. And I don't know what word I'm looking for, but togetherness to, for teammates to be able to get it. And I know football, they obviously, like you said, they're up in each other's face, the line of scrimmage, but then there's a break. So they're not there as much as hockey players are. I think, I mean, they're, I think there's more shifts. Jack Eichel played against Jack Hughes more, I think, than an offensive lineman faced a defensive lineman in the course of one game. Right. And I think too, it should be pointed out uh, the exertion that you put in uh, on a play in football is probably not the same or as nearly the same as what a shift is in hockey. You're on the ice for maybe a minute plus, maybe a little less, but you know, the, the target's always like 50 seconds to a minute. Um, an NFL play, you're going up against that defensive lineman for six seconds, maybe and six and three of those seconds, you might be backpedaling, you know, there's all, but when you're out there and you're gassed at the end of a shift and you're heaving, you know, and that's what they say is, you know, that's the heavy breathing. And then you go to your bench and uh, you're heaving with all these other guys. And then you're back out there three minutes later. I guess that's another aspect of it that shouldn't be lost. No masks or no, uh, well, no masks, but also no face masks, you know, and that's not, a non-zero thing. I know a football face mask isn't like going to totally shield anybody, but I I do wonder if that would be something that they would consider making. I mean, guys would hate it. I'm sure those masks would get disgusting by, you know, you'd have to be changing them almost every shift probably, but if they could come up with some sort of mask, maybe that would be helpful. But if they're not even acknowledging cross team transmission yet, then they're not going to, that would be a huge signal that they're acknowledging it, which would open them up to liability in this <laughs> situation. And I mean, John, how, how has your thought changed or maybe, or maybe it hasn't, but from the beginning of the season to now, when you look at the possibility of them pulling this off and finishing it and it has, how, what has this done to alter your thinking on that? I'd say it's taken, I'm less confident now that they'll be able to finish the season. Um, I did a story before the season started. They have 213 pages of protocols coming in and they see, they made sense. I mean, there was a lot, they did put a lot of time and effort into trying to keep guys safe. Um, all the rules on the road, all the rules on how to handle yourself at the arena. Um, they all make sense, but they all go out the window and the, when they refuse to acknowledge that one team can give it to another team. Um, I think that's the thing that's going to change everything. If they, once they acknowledge that we're going to have to see a lot of rule changes. I mean, and especially if it proves that the linesmen who are in protocols got it the same strain as the savers and devils, because then it's a whole nother, another episode. Cause do the refs and linesmen have to wear masks? Obviously they wouldn't be thrilled with it either, but uh, 
It's just, uh, that's going to be the big thing. If they find out that these strains were the same, that the Devils transferred it to the Sabres, I think we're going to see a lot of changes and it could be a temporary shutdown or maybe even a longer than temporary shutdown, just in the fact that they're going to have to do a lot of thinking once that, if that comes back, uh, is the case. What about from a hockey standpoint? And maybe we're being too um, cavalier to make it about the hockey and, and not just say, not just focus specifically on the health aspect of it. But let's say the NHL can get this under control to the point where uh, it becomes safe to res- either continue the season, resume it, whatever. What does this do for the Sabres? Um, games being pushed back now can maybe be um, absorbed into the remainder of the schedule, but it was already a condensed schedule. Uh, and now you're kind of cramming things together. I don't know. What, what's your, from, from your standpoint of, of the outlook for the Sabres, what this does for them in terms of their season hopes? Um, I'll, I'll admit in end of January, I was tired. They had 10 games in 14 days and I don't skate. <laughs> I just, I just got to show up at the rink and maybe watch TV for a road game. And I was a little tired by the end of January. And as of now, they still have two games that they got to fit into the schedule, but they're going to play one game every 1.85 days. Um, so they're between February 15th and May 8th. They're going to be, they're going to be home. That's going to be, 46 games rescheduled in there. Um, the one, the players, uh, they, they took it better than I thought yesterday. Kyle Ocpozo said, uh, if you ask anybody if they'd rather play a game or practice, they're going to say they'd rather play a game. So those days in between, maybe they skip some practices here and there. Um, Jack Eichel said, the more ice time he gets, the better he feels. He's young. Um, obviously, he's <laughs> young and in good shape. Right. He can handle it. We'll see how the older guys uh, deal with it. But um, is James Patrick still playing, John? He probably could on uh, for some teams. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's uh, it's going to be interesting. It's it's uh, they had some breaks in there, um, but now they they've already added five back to back situations that weren't on the schedule. Um, I said, like I said, there's two more games they got to fit in somewhere that it probably add in another back to back. It's going to change a lot. How do you think the players are going to deal with? I don't know. There's a weird uh, element of this where now what almost half the roster or a good chunk of the regulars have had it and will be considered immune, I guess. Um, but how have you noticed how this has changed, how serious they're taking it um, and, you know, knowing how much is out of their control, but, you know, how they're – so I know by the end of the bill season, guys were going home, going to the rink or going to the, the facility, going home. They weren't going out to restaurants. They weren't doing any of that by the end, and neither were their family members. So have they altered anything from that standpoint? Um especially the guys that, that weren't you're lucky enough that were lucky enough to not get roped into this. That's one thing that the organ, that's one thing that the organization was really upset about when this first happened was they've been strict with these protocols. Uh, they had a saying right from day one, uh, stay positive, test negative. Uh, they, they're just were nonstop with rules, rules, rules. And they even Taylor Hall said, we're going to use it to our advantage because other teams are going to get it and we're not, and we're going to win. Um, so it's not that they were lax with it. Uh, the NHL today came out with some new things that does, as you mentioned, family members are being encouraged to not go leave the house as much anymore. 
uh, players are going to are encouraged to just go from uh, their house to the rink, which is, I think the Sabres were pretty much doing anyway. Um, and especially on the road, you can't leave the, you can't eat anywhere other than the hotel on the road. Uh, you can get some delivery, but it's gotta be contactless. So like I said, there were a lot of good rules. The NHL did. They just uh, forgot a couple big ones. Yeah. Don't breathe on the other team. <laughs> um, what else uh, do you want to talk about, John? We'll let you go here. You showered for us. I want to let the audience know that you did shower for this. Uh, even if you're listening on the podcast, a reminder that Tim Graham and Friends brought to you by CTBK is available on YouTube. Uh, and because of that element, John showered. Yeah. And I told him, I defied him. I said, you will not shower. And he did. Um, I have not showered. Anyways, uh, Anything else on your mind that you want to talk about, John, that we didn't bring up? Uh, as far as the Sabres, I'm, I'm curious to see what kind of team they're going to be once we this, they get back to playing. Um, they're 500 now, which they pretty much deserve to be, I think. Um, but the interesting thing is they have three total goals from Jack Eichel, Taylor Hall, and Jeff Skinner in 10 games. I don't think that's going to stay that way. So does that help them? Are they... Um, their division is still tough, but the fourth and final playoff spot seems up for grabs for all these other teams. No one's going to catch uh, Boston and Philly and Washington, but that fourth spot, the Sabres might be able to contend for it. So I'm curious to see if they will. This back-to-back -back will be an interesting situation. The goalies haven't been bad, but now you're definitely going to have to rely on both of them. You can't have Linus Allmark play 46 games and 50 nights or whatever it's going to be. Um, so that's going to be an interesting thing. And, and maybe a third goalie. Yeah, that could be. Yeah. They, uh, so it, uh, it's going to be intriguing to see how they, I'm once they get back and once we get behind us, which hopefully we get behind us, uh, it'll be interesting to see how, uh, what the team does here. The sample I size. Think they should have, oh, go ahead, Matt. I think they should have lobbied to get themselves into that Canada division practiced over the border. Uh, probably would have been safer, right? Canada seems to be doing a much better job. Those teams seem to be okay. And man, Toronto is just pounding that division. It's like uh, it's such an easy division, man. They should have, they were close enough. They could have found a loophole there. Oh, for sure. I agree. Yeah. That's uh Toronto. Yeah. I, I don't know what the odds are, but Toronto for the cup, uh, I should have looked at the prior to the season just because you knew they were better than most teams in that division. So that's a guaranteed spot into the final four. So should have looked into those odds, I guess. If the Blue Jays can come and play in Buffalo, then the Sabres should be in Hamilton, right? Yeah. Mississauga's got to have a bunch of ranks. Mm -hmm. um, there was something I was going to ask. You said something about the sample size. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, the sample size tell you anything uh, that you didn't expect about the Sabres? Is it too soon from what you've seen on the ice? Uh, Rasmus Dahlin sample size has not been good. Um, oh no, no, <laughs> he, uh, had this generational defensive talent does not quite look it at the moment, but, uh, I think a lot of it is this talk defense, defense first, defense first, which I get it. I mean, defense, especially teams that, especially for teams that aren't all that great. You want to focus on defense. Sabres have eight guys who are picked in the top eight. The, they know how to score. I think they should loosen the reins a little bit, but, uh, and if they do, I think that would maybe get Darlene back a little bit more. Um, most people are surprised that Rasmus Ristolainen is the MVP of the team so far. 
Um, believe it or not, that was one of my bold predictions. I said he was going to be very good. Um, I think he finally gets it at age 26. And, uh, um, but yeah, I think Rasmus Dahlin's the one concern and the fact that their top three scorers aren't scoring are uh, interesting in this first 10 games. You shouldn't expect that to continue, though. No. You better hope not. Yeah. If you're a Sabres fan. That yeah. well, John Vogel, thanks for doing this. My pleasure. My pleasure. I needed a shower anyway, so it feels good. <laughs> Stay safe. Don't develop a cough. I know. No. Stay away from the players. Word. Without a doubt. All right. Thanks, John. <laughs> you're welcome. Tim Graham and Friends is brought to you by CTBK, CPAs and business consultants. CTBK is a leading accounting firm with a growing team of accountants and business consultants with roots in Amherst, New York. CTBK pairs every project with a focus on a human connection between its team and the client for assurance, accounting, taxes, litigation support, and advice on mergers and acquisitions. CTBK is available and ready to solve any issue your business faces. For a consultation or to request a quote, call 716-630-2400. Again, that's 716-630-2400. CTBK, over a quarter century of proven accounting and business excellence for Western New York and beyond. Joining us on Tim Graham and Friends, brought to you by CTBK, is Bill's guard, well, and center, and whatever else. I mean, I think he'll probably play any position you want him to line up at. John Feliciano from his home in South Florida. Uh, high well, 80s, he says, and he's, he's complaining about it. Yeah, it's a little too hot. I became accustomed to that Buffalo weather. I, I was there since, like, April, I think April 1st, so I got back. Well, thanks for joining us. I wanted to have you on to talk to you about the Ed Block Courage Award, which I think is one of the one of the top badass awards that you can get every year. The problem being, uh, you gotta get hurt, <laughs> right? You gotta, <laughs> you gotta go through some stuff to get it. Uh, this is this is an award. This is not an award you want, is it? It's uh, not. You know, there's there's other awards that uh like MVP, uh, offense MVP, you know, defense, all those awards. But uh, this is a award that, that means a lot um, just because, you know, what it means and was, and because you, your teammates are uh, vote on it. So, um, I mean, it means a lot to be recognized for, uh, by my teammates. Um, it's kind of the reason I play football is, you know, Watching my my teammates uh, succeed, you know, really drives me, and and really, uh, you know, it's playing line. I mean, that's what what you do. It's you block so so your your friends can party. Um, so uh, yeah, it means a lot. Overcame two injuries uh, during the calendar year of 2020: uh, the torn pectoral muscle right after coming back. Uh, from a from a previous injury, getting ready to go, you're excited back on the field, and then in the opening days of training camp, te uh, you tear that that pectoral muscle. Mm -hmm. uh, in the early days of that, where was your concern level about 
2020 and playing the season? Uh, yeah. Um, some people didn't think I was going to be able to come back. Um, uh, I mean, I know some people weren't able to play the season of that after getting the pec surgery. Um, so I was, I was a little worried, but also, I mean, I know Jay, I was, I kept referring to JJ, uh, Walt, uh, to like my trainers and stuff, you know, he got back in, I think it was like eight weeks, eight and a half weeks, nine weeks or whatever. Um, I don't know if he had a complete tear, but I wasn't trying to find out. I was just, you know, eight, eight and a half weeks was my goal. And, and, uh, kind of went a little over that <clears throat> but that being said a lot of people miss the season because of a torn peck or you know they said 16 weeks was was what normal people take to to recover from it and uh I was back in like 11 so I mean I was practicing like I think week nine yeah I think I started practicing week nine so uh I was this man it was just a grind and shout out to the the training staff that had to endure a lot with me um for those long, long, long days. And, and, uh, yeah. How did it, how was the the transition when you got back? Like how long did until you started to feel like yourself, if at all, I mean, I didn't really notice any impact on your play, but I imagine just being away that long and an injury like that, um, took a little while to get, get your feet underneath you. Uh, I feel like I probably started feeling really good. Uh, Probably, I think about probably been like the fourth game I played. The, the first game I was back at right guard uh, was probably like the game I felt I started to f- feel good. Um, yeah, I mean, it was just ha- it was one of those things that happened. I was supposed to be on like a pitch count, and then you know we had injuries and what. And I mean, I wasn't gonna let. I wasn't. I'm not. I wasn't gonna let our guys, you know, be out there without me. You know, once I got. The, oh, the doctor's okay to play, and we were supposed to be on some kind of pitch count, and uh, uh, that didn't happen. So it was uh, it was it was a little tricky. Um, that that injury was probably probably the the biggest the, the worst injury I've had, uh, pain wise and and recovery wise. Um, so it was all man. It was a uh, it was rough. Now the Ed Block Courage Award is not just a comeback player of the year award. It's it's given and the the description for the Ed Block Courage Award is uh, it's given uh, to the player who serves as a role model for uh, based on courage, sportsmanship and ability to inspire others. Eh, sportsmanship, you know, maybe a little fuzzy on that one. But anyway, to inspire others, <laughs> I think I think that the uh the the inspiration too comes from that first game back, which you're you're uh, referring to. Mitch Morris gets hurt in the first quarter, wasn't it? I mean, it was very early. Yeah, I think it was like the first couple play. I think it was the first drive. So um. yeah, and so then you have to go from guard to center in your first game back. Can you mm-hmm. now that you've been separated from that for a couple of months? Couple can of you months. go back and and tell us like how you handled that mentally? Yeah, I mean, honestly, it was probably the best thing that could have happened. Um, sorry, Mitch. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> you getting hurt is not the best. But for me, um, I was able to move inside. And uh, I was at left guard, which, you know, really exposed my, my right pec uh, more because, 
you know, we, we, we like to preach, you know, staying inside out and keeping the depth and the width of the pocket. Um, so being on that left side, kind of the inside move is, is mainly a right-hand dominant thing that I would have to really strain my pec to make sure that Stone wouldn't go inside. Um, so when Mitch went down, uh, moving inside was – was kind of like getting a little bit more protection from the, from both the guards. Um, so I think honestly, like that kind of probably protected me a lot. Um, and not having a, I was able to basically hide my peck a little bit inside at center. The actual motion of snapping the football, did that impact you? Or I should say, should you, did your injury, was that an issue at all? Uh, in terms of the mechanics of going from, I mean, guard to actually needing to fire the ball through your legs? Um, the only thing that really messed with it a little bit was uh, the brace I was wearing. Um, I kind of loosened it just so I can have more motion in my arm. Uh, but besides that, not really. Um, when I was at guard, though, we would we would uh, tighten up that that brace a little bit. What, what was the uh, first few months of the season like for you? Uh, you mentioned kind of, you know, bugging the trainers about, about JJ's timeline, but just seeing the, the way the guys came out and, and got off to such a strong start, I'm sure you were – I know initially I think you said you wanted that Raiders game to be, be the first yeah. one back, but just to see such a hot start and be kind of having to have the patience to make sure you didn't go out there and, and ruin your whole season by jumping out too early. Yeah, uh, that definitely – the way we were playing definitely made things a little easier. Um, I mean, if, if we would have been losing games, I would have been just kicking myself because I know I would if I was out there, you know, we, we would have had a better chance. Um, but uh, the – it's all that – the beginning of the season is such a blur for me because I'm just like – every day is like Groundhog Day. I wake up early and I just go to where I just – in the training room all day and um so it was hard um that was really hard and i wasn't a pleasant person to be around most days um but i mean credit to the bills staff and and, i mean the trainers the coaches uh, my teammates they all did had a hand in, in keeping me sane while that while that was going on what is your general perception including the time that you're not on the field, but then even after you get back and you're playing, whether it be at center or guard, the fact that offensive linemen stereotypically, and tell me if you're wired differently, I don't think you are, but I'll leave it open to you, want to run the ball. And yet Mm -hmm. the offense was having so much success throwing the ball to the point where one game you, you had one called run the entire first half. Um, what is um, how, how do you handle that approach as a guy who's you know wants to go out there and knock heads? Play Madden. <laughs> when I, <laughs> I I tell you like if someone if you if, I, if you play Madden against me you're gonna hate me because I'm gonna be running the ball and uh, I don't know man I just I'm I'm, I'm that kind of like I love like the playing football like there's different aspects of football. There's like the run game is a complete different game than, than it's so different than passing. Uh, so just the beauty, the, like the technique, the, the, 
just uh, the run game is just like it, it's my it's like it's like watching my my kid do something well like watching a good run play you know so so i mean how do i handle it i tell dave before before the game every week like while i'm stretching like at dibs like i know they can't cover us let's let's go like let's let's go party you know we have we have these guys i mean who can cover beasley in the slot i mean that's so i wouldn't i would not want to be a, a nickel in the league playing against the bills that day and uh i mean i'm all for whatever is going to help us win how do you split up the carries on madden when you're running the ball um <laughs> i mean you know motor gets most of them uh <laughs> I, I like to throw my boy TJ in there a little, his long neck face. Uh, um, <laughs> you know, Zach's in there. I put Zach in for more of a you – know, when we're in the eye and stuff, I put Zach in. If we're in single back, I'm usually TJ, and then Motor gets most of the, the, most of the gun stuff. <laughs> most of those go right? <laughs> unless, unless I'm pulling. <laughs> then we're going left. <laughs> Maybe there's a secret to be had here. I know that there are probably a lot of uh, people listening to the podcast uh, who do play Madden. I love to run the ball. I have a f- over years and years of playing Madden back to the early nineties. Well, over time, mm-hmm. it seems as though the game takes away from the run game. Yeah, because they're yeah, – the Everyone game, wants I'm to be flashy they make it throw, hard. throw the ball and freaking like, – that's the pretty stuff. I'm trying to get down and dirty. Right. Like when I try to play my son, I, he plays all the time. Uh-huh. Like I play once a month. Mm-hmm. And so I sit down with him and I think, all right, let's, let's get a game in here. And I think the only way I can beat him is if I run. But no matter what I do, I can't get any traction in the run game. He's even got a nickel out there. Sometimes you got you to change the point. You got to change the mic point. You got to know. You got oh, to know what's going I gotta on. Do that? That's what I'd be doing, and it'd be working. Really? I mean, I got to do that. Yeah. I don't even know how to. I don't even know that was a. You could do that. Yeah. What are you on? Your Xbox, PlayStation. You gotta press LB or L L one. I think it is. I'm on play. We're on PlayStation. So so L one. And then I'm pretty sure it's either X or triangle. Let's say change the least say set the ID point. And then I mean, depending on the depending on the the, the formation, depending on the, the the run concept, and depending on the defense, you're gonna have to switch it up. He is not gonna know what hit him. I didn't even know that. This was, <laughs> I thought it was just kind of line it up. And obviously, you, there's there's a lot of nuance to Madden, which is what yeah. makes it so cool. I didn't know you. I could actually point out the mic on there. Yeah, on pass plays too. Oh, I think we need on, a, we need a Madden clinic here from I had, John. Give, give, give me a couple give me a couple more weeks because during the season I'm not playing Madden. I got enough football, you know. But on the last week I've been playing Madden a little bit, and I'm like, dang, this is this is pretty fun. All right, so maybe I'm you know of all the things too, you know, you talk, you people might be checking this out and saying, man, Tim is so old. I mean, it's, not, it's about that. I don't know that you can point out the mic on Madden. Yeah, I didn't know on. that. I've been playing a lot this year. First time I got yeah. the game in a while, and I didn't know that. I mean, because no one wants – what are you doing? You're going to slide the line. You're not sliding the line. Right? You're leaving the whole line. Just do what they do. Listen, Jeez. change that mic point. Okay. All right. I, I, I got it. He probably knows all about that at 14. 
And I, <laughs> and, and I'm going to, I think I got some secret weapon now and he's just going to chuckle and do whatever. <laughs> um, so John, back to running in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers proved that running uh, still does have a place in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, and um, makes uh, maybe as a reminder of the value of a, of a guy who, uh, who can do what you do. You're about to be a free mm-hmm. agent. Can you set this? Can you set the off season for us? What, uh, what your thoughts are? Um, I mean, honestly, I don't see myself going anywhere. Um, I mean, I love Buffalo and, uh, I know how they feel about me and, um, I'm going to stay optimistic and, and I, I don't like change. So, uh, I, I honestly, when I think about next season, I, I see myself as a bill and, uh, we'll see what happens. Um, but I think both sides want, want the same thing. So it's just a matter of time, I think. How did, how did that, if at all, I know you guys all say that you block it out during the season, but when you're sitting in the training room for as many hours as you were, I'm sure Mm -hmm. that type of anxiety can, can filter in just about it being a contract year and stuff like that. How did you handle that mentally throughout the year? I just, uh, I just, I just wanted to get on the field, you know, so it definitely did play a role. And I thought about it a lot. Um, and I think it just motivated me to work harder and, uh, like I said, thankfully I had our trainers and, and teammates and the coaching staff to, to help me keep myself safe for myself. Uh, so they did a good job of that. And, uh, I, I think we just, it all came together perfectly. I say this, uh, you, you got a little taste of it when you came here and you've been in Western New York long enough to know the history of the bills and the whole thing about the drought and this, that, and the other, but as somebody who's covered the team for a long time, um, prior coaches, Matt also, he goes back to, uh, Doug Marone era. Um, whenever you would hear about a player who wanted to come back, it was usually somebody who didn't have many other options. And I'm not saying that to be funny. I think that's just kind of the way it was. The team wasn't mm-hmm. winning. The program wasn't uh, all that attractive. Western New York winners, the whole stigma of Western New York. But I think that when people hear um, that John Feliciano wants to come back, they're not surprised. Uh, and it's kind of normal that a good player wants to come back. Can you – I, that's my long windup to ask this question. Mm-hmm. Can you describe what it's like in this program um, and the, the, the evolution that you, that has taken place here in, in at one bills drive as a culture or the expectations, the whole thing. So I would say it starts with the coaching staff that we got and the GM, Mr. Money Bean. Um, knowing that you got guys like that that are, you know, real people and are going to do the best for you as a player and as a person. Um, but I'm going to be honest, it all comes down to one dude, one dude only, and that number 17 back there, he makes people want to – you want to play with him because you want to be around greatness. And um, he is just a matter of time before – I mean, I think he's still right now. He's one of the faces of the NFL, but um, that kid is going to keep getting better. 
and he's just gonna I I know him he's gonna work his butt off this offseason and he's gonna be I don't know if he'll make the stride that he made from last year or from his second second year to his third year to his third to the fourth because I don't know how you can possibly get that much better um but that kid uh that kid is gonna be a reason why we get some free agents and why people will stay it's a story I've done uh, at the Pro Bowl each of the last two years, um, and it had the same headline, um, Siberian Stigma. And this was going back, you know, two years, um, and I would talk to Pro Bowlers, what do you think about Buffalo? And it was an open-ended question. A lot of them would laugh, uh, but mm-hmm. when they would mention Josh Allen, as long as you have the quarterback, that does bring people. It, 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 and, of course, last year's opinion was a lot different than – um, the previous year. And of course, mm-hmm. if there had been a pro bowl this year, I'm sure there'd be a lot of pro bowlers talking about, you know, where, you know, Hey, where, where can I sign up? Um, mm-hmm. Do you sense that among guys that you talk to around the league, guys who don't play for the bills or who haven't experienced, what do they want to know about Buffalo when, when you talk to them? So they, they'd be like, is it cold there? I was like, yeah, bro, it's cold. Like get over it. It's, it's not like the, and all be all. I mean, they do a great job of keeping the roads nice and, 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 and drivable. Um, and I mean, I just tell them about the people, though. I mean, it's 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 coming from South Florida. It was uh, it was a little weird when I went to Buffalo, and everyone's just so nice and and willing to do anything for for a stranger um, and their generosity and. Uh, that's what I, that's what I tell them about. I mean, I tell them about the town, the city, the town, like I love Orchard Park is such a great little spot. I mean, uh, during the summers, I mean, I would, there's no place I'd rather be. I just, it's a good, great for families. Um, I have two kids and being able to go to the lake or go on the, that's one thing going on the water and not have to have to worry about alligators. Uh, that's great. That's something you don't like. I'm not trying to, my wife was talking about getting a pontoon. I was like, "Yeah, we can have a pontoon in Buffalo. I ain't going out on the on the freaking the the water out here. We can get killed. We can get eaten by alligators. I'm not down for that." Um, but yeah, man, it's Buffalo's great, man. I, I don't. That's a place where I can see myself settling down and and uh, you know long term. I mean, that's why I think so many players that 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 play for Buffalo end up you know keeping a house in Buffalo or or lives living there for most of the year yeah tim and i both are uh not buffalo natives but uh, yeah look at you guys look at us here we are yeah, look at us <laughs> there we are <laughs> large what do you think about oh it, the buy-in that you guys have you're you're reaching this point where you know you, you had this innocence in the, the early stages of the you know when you're rebuilding everything's new. You've got the young quarterback, you're the, the team on the come up. And now you're, you know, guys contracts start to come up. Business starts to get involved. Not everybody has the, you know, mindset that you have of like, Hey, I want to be here. Let's find a way to make this work. But what does it do for that culture that you talk about when you have a team that's willing to say, look at a guy like you, Ed Block Courage Award winner, the way your teammates respond to you, the way you fought their injuries and say, let's, let's find a way to get this done. Let's do right by our people. Mm-hmm. What does that do for that overall morale that, that you guys have built? 
Um, you're saying like if we lose somebody, like if we we well, lose just a couple people, rewarding the mm-hmm. right people, rewarding the yeah. people that have helped got you here, and trying to keep it together. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I think Bean is one of the best GMs in our game, and I uh, he does a good job of like you said, like people's contracts are up. I mean, we lost a couple guys last year, uh, but they did a great job of finding guys that would fit our system and, and, and thrive. I mean, they, people didn't think digs were going to, was going to work out like it did. And I would say everyone in the locker room had no doubt. Like we thought exactly that's how it was going to work. And uh, it was even better than I, than people had thought. Um, but I think the strength of our organization will be continuing to get the right guys and to keep, like you said, keeping the keep the guys that came here and did it right, and you know are invested in this and want want this to keep going. Um, and I think we'll be fine. I think that's what I think. I think, I think that's what Bean gets, and I think that's what him and Sean understand that um, it's not always the number one free agent guy that is going to make the organization the best it could be. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it has a lot to do with character and 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 motivation we'll uh, leave with one final question here for you john and i'll leave it ambiguous you can answer it however you want but what needs to get done from what you accomplished as a team in 2020 to get to where you want to be in 2021 what what do you think of course there's still a lot of time to go there's free agency you might mm-hmm. lose guys you're going to get guys you're going to draft guys uh, thing, a lot of things are going to happen between now and September. That's a long ways away. But mm-hmm. what do you think needs to happen to get you where you want to go? Just, I mean, obviously we got to run the ball better and we got to stop the run better. Um, but besides that, I mean, we're going to have to come back in and it's going to be a new season. It's all the stuff that – we did last year. I mean, it was cool. Like I'm, it's last year for me now. It's, that's over. Like that's, we're gonna have to. I think hopefully we'll have a more of a off season um, this year. I don't know how that's gonna work with the Corona stuff, um, but I think we need to have just we just need to grow as a team and especially like thing for offensive line wise. We need to just be able to. We need some practice. You know what I'm saying? We need to that we missed a lot during the COVID era and I think the, our offensive line could start better in the beginning of the season. If we had that extra time to, to gel and, and to work. Cause I mean, we, there was a lot of tossing and turning up front in the first probably like 10, 12 weeks of the season. John, I've, I've enjoyed this. Um, anything you want to add that uh, we didn't ask you about? When you said you enjoyed it, your facial expression had, didn't change at all. You're like, John, I enjoyed this. <laughs> all right, um, I'll, I'll, I'll start again. I'll start again. Maybe we'll even edit this out. All right, hang on. And hey, John, this was this was uh, I, I, this was awesome, man. Uh, uh, can't wait to have you back. Um, anything you want to anything you want to add that maybe we didn't ask you about? Wow, well that. You brought some juice right there. Well, there we go. Um, no, we're good, man. I was just enjoying my time. Show, hey, pan, pan that backyard. Let's see what we got going on down oh. there. 
Yeah, just... wait, hold on. Let's shout out to the let's shout out the Pagulas real quick. Terry, <laughs> Kim, you guys are the best. I appreciate right. you guys. Is this the and this is a new place? I mean, Tim, let's 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 not get too technical, okay? Because you were saying you were moving, so I, I don't know if this is is this the new place or the yeah. old place. This is the new place. All right. Well, they, people might look at that and say he doesn't need any more money. <laughs> He's already got enough. All right, Tim, we everything this he interview, needs. Tim. What are we doing? All right. <laughs> yeah, you, you got to pay for that netting that goes along in the cave that, so, to keep the alligators out. I know that they got that down there from when oh. I lived down there. You need that stuff. I got I got You see, that's a – see it? Yeah. That's – I tell you, people be – people with pools in South Florida – you wake up and there's an alligator in your pool. You don't want that. All right. It costs a lot of money to maintain those pools. <laughs> you need yeah. to invest in alligator prevention measures, and that's not cheap. And uh, that's that's the theme of this. That's the theme of this podcast. Hey, John, thanks for doing this, man. Yeah, appreciate you guys. I man, have enjoyed it. Yes, there you go. That was a little right. better. John Feliciano. All right, guys. Tim Graham and Friends is brought to you by CTBK, CPAs and business consultants. CTBK is a leading accounting firm with a growing team of accountants and business consultants with roots in Amherst, New York. CTBK pairs every project with a focus on a human connection between its team and the client for assurance, accounting, taxes, litigation support, and advice on mergers and acquisitions. CTBK is available and ready to solve any issue your business faces. For a consultation or to request a quote, call 716-630-2400. Again, that's 716-630-2400. CTBK, over a quarter century of proven accounting and business excellence for Western New York and beyond.